and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 197th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it's our 657th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 10th, 2020. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. This evening's banner moment occurred last night after the disappointing loss uh, to Florida State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge when Trace Jackson Davis was interviewed and had quite a few things to say. Uh, and I quote Trace, I was really mad because I don't think any of us uh, other IU teams we've had in the past 10 years, I don't want us to think of us as any other IU team in the past 10 years. We're trying to be different this season, and to be different, we have to win these games. I kind of was mad. At the end of the day, it's all love, but that's that. Uh, You never enjoy losses, and moral victories are okay, but you're really in this to win the game, and I like seeing that from your best player. A couple things from a coach's perspective. When your best player is your hardest worker and your best leader, your team has a chance to achieve more than they possibly can. A player-led team is a lot better than a coach-led team inside the locker room. That allows the coach to focus on strategy, skill development, and other things that coaches need to do. Trace Jackson Davis had a bad game against Texas, and he was, quote, lit up. When asked about who lit him up, he said, my teammates got into me. They tell me they needed me. It was all about his teammates lifting them up. The combination of those two post-game comments show that this team is focused and is together. Yes, we'll talk about guard play. Yes, we'll talk about the lack of rebounding and also the lack of shooting on today's show. But what it shows me is that this team is bought in to what they're trying to achieve. They're playing together. They're responsible. And when you have teams that are like that, they may overcome some of those deficiencies and win more games than they should and make all of us happy to be Indiana Hoosier basketball fans again. This team is closer to the Indiana teams that we're used to having. Uh, Fix some of those errors, but the, the team foundation is there with that kind of attitude from your leader. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Uh, to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. 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 And to my right, uh, to my left, sorry, uh, read the script, Mr. Tonsoni. Um Andy, what's your bottom's line on last night's loss to Florida State? Uh, like you said, there's a lot that you can look back on and and lament. And in any time you got a one possession game that goes to overtime, you can go pick out all kinds of small plays that might have made the difference in the game. Uh, but I think after uh, the year we've all had, the the week that uh, way things have kind of gone for me, I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. And I think you see a team that faced a really tough challenge from a physical standpoint, the way that Florida State guards, the way that they play, the personnel that they have, uh, presented a challenge similar to what you saw with IU in Texas. And IU really wilted uh, in the Texas game, and you didn't see that uh, against Florida State. And um, so there were a lot of chances to win the game down the stretch. I think there were plays that 
Uh, as you look back, I, I went back and rewatched the last few minutes of regulation and, and the overtime period. Uh, and you can watch a lot of plays there and be like, man, just one play here or there can make the difference. But I thought it showed pretty good growth from a relatively young team over the course of, you know, a week and a half. Uh, really that, that they've had from that Texas game. So I'm choosing to look at it that way. I know we'll talk about, like you said, all the, the areas that we want to see this team improve and, and how they you know, how they schematically can can maybe mask some of the deficiencies of the team. But um, yeah, I was I was proud of the way that they responded. And I think as you project that growth forward over the course of the season, I would like to think that that bodes well. Um, and you're, you know, a shot away here or there from, from beating a really good team on the road. Uh, obviously road games this year aren't quite the same as road games in a normal year, but, um, but I was overall impressed with what was there, uh, and, and certainly frustrated that they couldn't find a way to get the win. And anybody in my family that was around me during the late part of the game would know that I was frustrated with pieces of it. But when you take a step back, uh, I think you can find a lot of positives from the way they approach the game. And ultimately, as we were talking about before we came on, just, started to run out of gas a little bit at the end based on the shorter rotation and, and how long guys had played at that point. But uh, overall, I think a positive set from where they were a week ago against Texas. So I'm going to focus on looking at it that way. And to my right, he is the man taking Indiana basketball Twitter by storm with his IU Film Room series, which you can watch at iufilmroom.com. He founded Basketball Tools, an online resource for basketball coaches, and he is a former assistant coach at Southport and for Indiana Elite. He is Tony Adrania, a.k.a. Coach Adrania. Tony, welcome to the assembly call. What are your opening thoughts after Indiana's performance last night? Yeah, first and foremost, just want to say thanks so much for having me on. I uh, was really excited when when Jared reached out uh, about me coming on tonight. So first and foremost, just want to say thank you so much for for this. Uh, I'm excited to talk IU basketball at, at any point in time, but certainly excited for this coach's corner tonight. Um, for my opening thoughts on Indiana basketball, very much like Andy's thoughts, um, after watching the game from my film review, uh, I'm actually not as discouraged uh, as I was last night when I was watching live, um, I was actually texting with some buddies. Uh, I was getting frustrated with some of the spacing issues that I saw, but after I watched it today, uh, in a much more calm manner, um, and, and you know, kind of looking at it with a critical eye, uh, I actually came away impressed with a lot of things that I saw. Um, I actually saw some really encouraging things from the Hoosiers offensively without giving too much away, uh, from what we're going to talk about. Uh, later on, but I saw a lot of really good things from the Hoosiers offensively that we haven't seen in the Archie era. Um, and I'll leave it at that for my opening thoughts. But overall, as Andy said, a step forward, certainly from from Texas last week. Um, and, I, you know, I think we're starting to kind of see what Indiana's identity is going to be this season, whether that's good or bad. You know, it, what's interesting, and, and you know this about film study, too, is uh, when you're wrapped up in the game and you're and you're you're making subs and 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 even as fans were watching or we're watching to go on a post game show, you're taking notes and all that. Film always shows the truth the the next day when you slow it down and you, you have a cup of coffee and you can watch the film. I usually in our high school games find a player or or a segment of time that I thought was pretty bad that was probably positive, and other times when I thought guys were good, oh my gosh, they 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 were out of position. So the film the the film doesn't lie. Yeah, I I, I thought that. Indiana had a lot of opportunities to win the game last night, and they didn't. In that, that is disappointing. 
the fact that against Florida State, who is a top team in the ACC, yes, they uh, they lost some some players to the NBA draft, but you know they were big, long, and, and Leonard Hamilton does a great job and has been established there for a while. To go on the road in that environment and to compete uh, is is a positive. And again, you fix some of the things, the loose balls, the uh, some of those. Uh, turnovers that led to or bad shots that led to layups uh, and you and you have a, a maybe six to ten point victory and, and so again moral victories aren't what Indiana is about but um, there are some positives of where Indiana is and when when you look at the whole scope of NCAA basketball right now Indiana's played four quality opponents and not a lot of teams have played that uh, some of it because of the COVID and others just because of of scheduling so here's what we're going to talk about this week we're going to talk more about Indiana's loss to uh, at Florida State and the Big Ten ACC challenge and we're going to have a extensive session of Coach's Corner uh, you, a lot of people sent in coaching related questions about this IU team and the three of us we're going to try to answer that uh, as in depth as we uh, can all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to all that, let's talk about our new sponsor this season, Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. The first thing you need to know about them, as with almost all of our sponsors, is that they are diehard Hoosiers. Brad, the owner of Superior Insulation, is an IU fan and longtime Assembly Call listener. The second thing you need to know about Super Insulation is that uh, they will literally make your life more comfortable by helping you fix drafty rooms, cold floors, and even excess noise. Plus, their systems help you save money with lower utility bills. More comfort and cost savings. It's not quite that double-double that Trace Jackson Davis delivered against Florida State last night, but it is close. And with the winter here and colder temperatures still to come, now is the perfect time to invite Brad and his team out to your home or business so that they can do for you what they did for IU. Yes, Superior Insulators uh, all did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. Like I said, they're Hoosiers through and through, and damn good at what they do. Another longtime listener, Rick, reached out last week and told me he booked a consolation with Superior Insulation, and you should too. Because check this out, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You will get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And Superior Insulators have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com or just Google Superior Insulation to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can come help you create a healthier, healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And to tell them the assembly call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. So uh, the Hoosier headlines we're talking about again today is IU Florida State and the Big Ten winning the, the Big Ten ACC uh, challenge. Um, Andy, again, um, going back, the, the key parts of last night uh, from your aspect uh, that – that may have kept Indiana in the game, or if you want to take an aspect that, that kind of cost Indiana an opportunity to win last night. Yeah, I think there were a couple that, you know, stood out to, to me where they had chances to push the lead up to a, a two possession game. Cause really throughout the last, uh, I'm not even sure how many minutes it was, it was within a, a one possession game either way, but, but I went back as I, I look back through to see, you know, how much did trace actually touch the ball. Uh, down the stretch and so there was a, a play he they had that lob that Al made from close to midcourt lobbed it for a, a dunk to 
to TJD. And from that point forward, he touched the ball eight times, um, you know, and most of those were outside the arc. And on a couple of them, he drove in and the one toward the end. Uh, he got fouled on the other one. Uh, he got tied up on a jump ball, you know, but he really wasn't getting the ball in positions where he could do damage. Uh, the only touch of those that he got in the post was the one in the first possession of overtime that he, uh, you know, had the and one. But in general, he was getting the ball outside the arc and would either give it right back to somebody Um you know, he, he got the one baseline jump shot toward the end that uh, I, I told you guys before, uh, as I watched it back, I think it was designed to go to Al and he kind of stepped in um, and didn't get to Al for the corner three and, and took that shot. So, you know, part of that, you give credit to Florida State. Part of that is really trying to understand what IU can do differently uh, to get him the ball in, in the post or clear out like they did uh, on that play where he got fouled at the end and just give him a chance to, you know, drive on a, on a guy who he had the advantage over athletically. So, yeah, I think that's what you, you look back at stuff like that and you you lament just not getting the ball inside the three-point line, even if it's not to trace. There was just too many possessions down the stretch um, where the, just, the ball wasn't in a position to really put any pressure on Florida State's defense. Uh, and so, you know, to me, you look back and say, hey, you make a play here and there. Um, you don't settle for a three. You don't drive into three guys. You don't, you know, whatever whatever the case may be, I, I think you can find a way to get him another touch in a in a position where he can put pressure on the defense and maybe you win the game so that that was really it in a nutshell for me they'd fought back from being down and and really played neck and neck for a while and just just both both because of florida state and i think just maybe because of tiredness you know got away from uh getting the ball to tjd as much as was uh as was needed at the time yeah i think you know you you bring up something that's really important uh, last night was a game of playmaking and, and Indiana made enough to be there, but they didn't make enough to win. And Florida State was able to make some, including the last shot. Uh, there was a step back three that was contested by TJD. And it seemed like uh, when Indiana had the few mistakes they made defensively, Florida State was able to capitalize. And on the other end, Indiana was not able to do that um, as much, at least I think one possession as much, uh, which led to the final in, in overtime. Um Coach Adranya, you talked a little bit about uh, being uh, happy watching film or a little bit more pleased um, watching film offensively. That's been a, a big struggle for all of us as we've watched. Um, we're, we see the defense being 12th in adjusted Ken Palm early, and, and those numbers need to filter out yet. But, um, you know, the offense is up to 37th nationally, and most of us feel a little bit uneasy about the offense. And you mentioned in your film room, and if you haven't watched it, again, go watch it. I haven't had the opportunity yet, uh, but I'm interested to to see what you have to say there. But share with uh, us some of the things that you, you saw in the offense uh, that was pleasing in this Archie Miller era. Yeah, it, it was the spacing. Um, you know, a lot of what we've seen in the Archie Miller era, uh, part of it is personnel-driven, having, having you know your best players and your best scores uh, be big men, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's sometimes tough to, to create good spacing, especially, um, you know, last season, I think a lot about when Joey and Trace were both parked on, on both the blocks early on this season in Texas, uh, in the Texas game, I, you ran a set, uh, a lot where they'd run a high ball screen, but, um, basically wherever the guard was going, there was a big man parked right on that block and there was no driving lane, uh, for the guard to utilize last night. When when IU had good spacing, and you'll see it in my film review, man, did they get good looks. Uh, and it sounds so simple. They had good spacing, they got good looks. But it, it's not been a staple of what we've seen in the Archie Miller era. Um, you know, you've got four guys spaced around the perimeter. You've got a guy setting a high ball screen. 
Um, I think a play that stands out in a lot of people's mind from yesterday's game was uh, Race Thompson setting that ball screen, rolling to the basket, gets a beautiful bounce pass from Armand Franklin and, and jams at home. Um, that play is probably not possible if IU if uh, Trace Jackson Davis is in the game uh, because Jerome Hunter is lifting kind of in a roll replace action. And so he's the defender that's supposed to be guarding the the roller is now lifting with Jerome Hunter and, and it results in in a dunk for Race Thompson. And and you'll see and you see it time and again. But then I also point out in my film room where there, there's times where IU just stands. And there's a time in particular, um, I think it's with two minutes left, Rob Finnessy is, is driving or has a driving lane, but Al had kicked out to him and then Al just stood on the block. Al's guy ends up being the one that contests Rob's shot. Um, so just little things that, again, I didn't really notice yesterday when I'm watching in live time. But today I watched him like, wow, they actually had a lot of four out one in stuff that they ran, especially in their ball screen actions. And and I was actually pleasantly surprised with how good their spacing was at certain times in the game. Yeah, and, and spacing is is important. And the thing that's uh, interesting when they run that ball screen stuff is the guard has to draw two. Uh, and if they don't draw two, you need to drive to the lane. That's when that post player needs to stay weak side. Uh, but the post player going strong side is really good when the, the guard draws two. So our guards have to draw two. And the goal of that, which I think we're running some of this at, at our high school and film's already out, so I'm not giving out any secrets, but we're trying to get four on three is what we're trying to get. And, and you need a guard who can really use that ball screen. And our guards need to be a little bit better at that. But that's that spacing. All of a sudden, if we have four offensive guys and three defensive players have to guard them, we're spaced out. And with the hit to the short roll, or, or a kick to the wing. Now we're playing four on three, and the next pass gets us a good open look. Indiana's trying to do that. I like that. Um, that the, I like their ball screen stuff this year uh, a lot more because of that. Uh, it's obviously a work in, in, in progress. So, uh, uh, Coach, do you, do, do you agree with that on the ball screen? Is there anything new set-wise that they've done that, that you think is, is better this year offensively? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like uh, a lot of the the continuity action that they, they do in the, the ball screen stuff. Um, a set they ran last night that I thought, you know, it's something that was so simple and, and you expect a big team coach to, to scout very well. But what I really liked was from Archie is uh, it's the first time I've ever seen him set kind of that double ball screen where the guard set the first screen and then Trace set the second one. They got the mismatch they wanted every time they ran it because Florida State was switching everything. And uh, and they, they really converted well. Now, they only ran it a couple times, um, but I thought it, it spoke to, A, Archie Archie had a game plan. Hey, Florida State's switching everything. We're going to try to to um, kind of beat them at their own game or, or, or utilize that to our strength. Um, they do it every time, absolutely not. But, um, I mean, I'm not saying Archie's some world beater because he scouts his opponents. Obviously, that's what he's expected to do. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it spoke, it spoke well of, of – you know, them having a game plan going into there and actually executing that game plan. And what they did there is when you switch, you can get an advantage and attack, either throw it in the post on a switch, but they really attacked that 6'9 freshman, and he was still learning how to play Florida State defense. And, and a lot of the good offenses, when they got him either uh, guarding two and, and the post was open or a switch where they could take advantage of it. Uh, Andy, coming to you, the, the eight, ACC Big Ten, the Big Ten wins, I believe, 6-4, um, to four, something like that. The ACC last night had uh, had some victories, but 
how how does that play out in the long run as far as bracketology and the overall strength of of the Big Ten as we are really close to starting a Big Ten play? Well, it certainly helps. I think you look at one of the games that was most surprising to me was Penn State beating the doors off of Virginia Tech after Virginia Tech had looked pretty good early in the season. I, I was I was surprised a bit by how much Illinois won by, but wasn't surprised at all that they went into Duke and, and won, particularly this year. Maybe with the crowd, maybe that's a little bit different. But um, I thought that was impressive. Iowa was pretty much what you'd expect Iowa to be. They kept North Carolina in the game with their lack of defense, but uh, just – knockdown shooters uh that would make any iu fan jealous i think at this point uh just to watch those guys just freely let it go and feel like it's going in every time so uh, you know i think the top end big 10 teams performed really really well uh and you had a, a couple slip-ups um from teams a little bit lower in the conference but i think the teams that are really going to be in contention for the for nta tournament bids for the most part acquitted themselves really well um and so that you know you know as well as i do that that really uh, carries a lot of weight, especially in an abbreviated non-conference season where you're not going to get a ton of those uh, marquee games. So I thought the league overall uh, looked pretty good. I think they're still behind the Big 12 and Ken Palm, but, um, but generally speaking, I, I don't think they did anything to really shoot themselves in the foot. Even you look at IU losing a game on the road in overtime against a really good team is not going to hurt your league uh, from that standpoint. So I thought overall, overall it was good. Real rough draft of Delphi Bracketology, not to be published yet, has nine Big Ten teams in uh, and a tenth one on the first four out just based on quality wins, no metrics or anything, just about the number of, of quality wins based off Ken Palm's site. So the, the Big Ten's looking to be uh, extremely uh, tough. Uh, and, again, that's the reason, uh, again, not being happy about the loss, but you go in and play a quality opponent, you're learning some lessons. They obviously learned some lessons from Texas. And Indiana's played the number two, the number four, and the no- number 16 adjusted Ken Palm defense already this year. So they're, they're not taking it easy, and they can learn lessons uh, for uh, a tough Big Ten. So coming up here uh, on the assembly call uh, radio, uh, it's time for an in-depth edition of uh, Coach's Corner. Uh, you sent in a bunch of questions, both X's and O's, and team management. We'll try to answer them from a coach's perspective. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, this is Matt Spielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. 
And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner, uh, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assembly call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and the other coach, uh, Tony Adranya. And um, we had a lot of good, great questions from our listeners today, and we're just going to simply get to those. A lot uh, related to the offense, which uh, is 37th in Ken Palm adjusted offense. And, and as uh, Coach Adranya said, has started to have better spacing and some better sets, um, but is still the 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 – struggling issue for most of us fans um, with Indiana basketball. So Michael asked this, do you believe that our guard play is good enough to win against absolutely top tier talent? If not, how do we try and scheme around our deficiencies in guard play, focusing more on the offensive side with these questions? I'll throw that to you, Andy, first. Uh, overall talent level at our guard play, is it is it good enough to, to be in a top tier of the Big Ten? You know, you guys talked about this on the show a bit last night. I think I think Jared brought it up. I, I, right now, you're inclined to say no. I mean, you look at the recruiting rankings and and just what they're able to accomplish physically. It's a little bit of recency bias to evaluate that against a team that plays the way Florida State does. So that that might be unfair. Uh, but but I think from if nothing else, you just look at it from a shooting standpoint. I, and you brought this up last night at some point you got to have guys that are consistently making wide open looks because I do think offensively they're generating not every possession certainly but they're generating more of the kinds of looks that in modern college basketball you expect guys to hit and so maybe it's just from that standpoint alone I know the question is focused more on offense I think defensively you really feel good about what you're getting out of guys like Armand and Rob but at some point you you close off your options uh, on the other end of the floor if you're not able to to make open threes. So uh, I, I guess I'm going to say no. It doesn't look like it right now. I think that's where you know unlocking Lander becomes really important because I think he is a guy who, once he gets up to speed, can compete at that level. But that's my gut reaction to it based on what we've seen you know so far and over the course of a few years for for most of the guys getting the backcourt minutes right now. Okay, so let's go on the premise that until Lander gets up to speed, uh, these are good four-year guards that are in a program. Those are those get-old, stay-old guards, but that you need to add talent to, and Lander could be that talent. Coach, um, I've always clamored that you you need a, a downhill guy, a, a, a late uh, shot clock, you know, go get you a bucket guy, and, and everyone makes fun of my love for Ayu DeSumo at, at, at Illinois, but... Um, how do you scheme? How, what kind of things do you do? Does this pick and roll offense uh, allow for these guards who are good guards, but maybe not great guards uh, to create some offense in your opinion? Yeah. And it sounds so simple, but to scheme around guard efficiency, you got to put them in spots. They're comfortable. Um, you know, for fantasy, I, I think it's coming off ball screens with maybe a stop and pop uh, Al it's driving in space, not, you know, not highly trafficked areas, um, we've seen that he doesn't finish well in, in, in high traffic. Uh, Armand, it's coming off a ball screen, and, and maybe it's a mid-range jumper rather than than the pop, or maybe a little floater. We've seen that kind of in his repertoire. Um, and then for freshmen like Lander and Galloway, you know, Jerry's still out, but it appears Lander wants to be a creator, and, and Galloway is very much a slasher. So uh, in terms of scheming, I mean, it, it's it sounds, again, so simple. Put them where they're comfortable and, and play to their strengths, but – I mean, at the end of the day, that's the answer. You got to find ways to to get them in spots on the floor that that they're comfortable um, doing what they're best at. And, and so, I th I actually do think that Archie's done a pretty good job of that 
in terms of our guard play and getting them in comfortable spots and, and, and sets and things like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like Andy said, and like you said, um, you know, you're, you're getting high level four-star five-star guys, wide open looks in corner threes. I mean, you got to knock that down with some consistency. You're not going to, you're not going to beat anybody uh, on any consistent basis. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to piggyback on that comment about the, the coming off ball screen, pull up jumpers. I'd like to see more of that. Um, you know, uh, Pull-up jumper is a lost art in the game, and and a lot of strategy is you want a three or a layup, and, and I get that, and I understand that's where, where college basketball has come, but I think we have a couple guards that might be better at the 10 to 15-foot pull-up than maybe going in uh, in space. Um, you know, and that ball screen, if they're going to be heavy towards race and towards Trace Jackson Davis and their, and their ball screen coverage is going to be more geared towards the big and they're going to go either under or over – that's going to give those comfortable shots to those guards. If you're going to start going under, then the guards got to sit back and hit that three. But if they're going to go over and have a drop coverage, what I call uh, the ball screen drop coverage, that elbow jumper is there. And, and mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about Rob is a very good prober. He needs to be more aggressive to look for his shot. Cause when, you know, he is aggressive, the ball seems to go in even from three coach in my coach Miller needs to, in, in some way, try to unleash his, his confidence um, in that. And the players got to recognize their points of comfort too. You know, Al driving into three people last night turns out to be a big play because it was a home run going the other way. And I know uh, Coach Miller took, um, you know, he he took the fault for that, I I think, in the postgame comments. But, um, you know, there was an and one there to the corner. Uh, You know, so you got to know that next next pass. So scheme, I do think think this is a better scheme than what we've seen in the past. Uh, it's just now the execution. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think it all ties together with what both of you guys are saying. I, you know, you don't have a lot of great finishers at the rim of of the guards. So at some point, I think Rob oftentimes looks like there was a play. I think it's actually the one Tony referenced where Al's guy is the one that contested his shot, but he kind of drove awkwardly and passed up what looked like a good three at the at, you know before he drove, and then he kind of drove and leaned in, almost trying to get fouled and doing whatever. And that's a, a challenge for him versus. It was one a couple possessions earlier. He had a nice elbow jumper where he kind of went in, stepped back a little bit, made it, made a shot right from the elbow. So I, I do think it's that Armand has shown that in the Stanford game, hit some hit some good shots that way. So I think it's a combination of of both the coach putting him in that position, but also not trying to force things and trying to get, you know, trying to get too much downhill and out of your comfort zone where you're not com- confident in your ability to finish, and you're also just thinking maybe I'm going to get fouled instead of you know pulling up for for something there. So I think it all ultimately ties together because regardless of whether we think that they're, you know, this is the the kind of backcourt talent that you really need. I think they can be adequate if you're able to mask the deficiencies that they have, which Archie is well aware of at this point. I mean, with Alan and Rob, you've got guys who have been in the years for three, you know, program for three and four years, you know what they can do and, and can't do. So I think, if, you know, I think you can hide that to a certain extent. And I think with Armand, you do the same thing he's still growing you really like what you've seen from him taking a leap and he's really done a tremendous job defensively particularly last night on a much bigger guy so there's building blocks there that you want to keep him on the floor so I, I think that's ultimately the you know the task that Archie's faced with is continuing to try to evolve what they're doing offensively to to be able to mask what they have and accentuate the the aspects of what they do that are that are maybe above average uh compared to other guys we just need to tell our mind we're playing in banker's life every game uh and and get his mentality his confidence for that um jeff asked uh with as much as we struggle to hit shots from the outside do we need to run more sets or screen actions to get shooters open 
this might go a long way in getting them some confidence that that coach is running a play for for the the player, um, and he doesn't seem any being run. I, I'll ask Tony. Do you remember? I, I don't know what game of the of the Maui Classic, but they came out in some um, continuous doubles. Um, I don't know if you remember that. It was a staggered double, then a double yeah. pin, um, and, and rotating the the guards through. So I'm sure that coach has some of those sets in his arsenal. But that was the first time I had seen that staggered double. In my opinion you're going to run that for L more than anybody else right now uh, because I think Durham's the one who could get to 40, 42% three. So if it is true that you want to run something for a three-point shooter, that might not be a bad idea. Um, do, do you remember those double staggers, and, and what, what do you like about that or, or not like about that? I do. Um, I do remember those double staggers. I actually like that set a lot. Uh, when I was at Southport, we ran, we ran something very similar uh, that Coach Brand brought from uh, – his college that he was at previously. So I, I love the, the double stagger. Um, but in, in terms of running actual sets for three point shooters, um, it's really hard to come off a screen and shoot. Um, it, it's, it's, you're much more apt to have high percentage three point shooters at the college level of driving kick um, or, you know, guys spotting up. Um, so, I mean, essentially it comes down to, I use actually getting a lot of those spot up looks Um so, I mean, obviously guys' confidence is shot, but I don't know that that running a, a play for them, you know, coming off a screen and having to get their feet set as they're coming off that screen and things like that really upset confidence any. I actually think it's a more difficult shot than the ones they're getting. Um, so I don't necessarily think that it, it, it has to be a set thing um, to get IU going, um, but they definitely need to see a couple go in to, to get that confidence up, that's for sure. So, so Coach Adrania, showing your age, you know, because – uh, the guy who asked this is my age, and we love that uh, the motion offense, you know, with Steve Alford coming off screens, and it's kind of hard for us old codgers to learn new tricks. But you're absolutely right. The game of basketball is dribble and kick, uh, post feed, out of, pass out of the double, and, and a step in three, um, catch and shoot three, more than it is a, a heel toe toe action of us old basketball dudes um, and, and what we taught. It is just a different different style. Um, but I do think I, I do think every once in a while for Durham, you might be able to run something to put him in position to get square on a catch and knock it down, um, just for for confidence. I, I'm not necessarily clamoring. I've been happy uh, with, with Indiana's offensive philosophy, not it not its execution. Right. Um, so, um, and there's something else. I'm going to throw this to Andy, and there's a question I wanted to ask, ask both of you. But Patrick asked, and we've kind of talked about this already a little bit, but if our guards attack off the dribble like this consistently, what does that do for our offense? I don't know if, if the nature of that question is positive or negative. Um, at times, we you can dribble too much, but I do like the idea of dribbling downhill and attacking more perimeter-oriented. Andy, any thoughts on that? Well, I think, I think ultimately – if they can do that effectively and show the ability to finish, you're drawing guys, you're ho- opening things up for dump offs to a guy, you know, guys like Trace or Race. You're opening yourselves up to those driving kick opportunities. You know, the problem is you've got to one, show the ability to finish around the rim to really do that. And two, guys have to knock down the shots that they get. I mean, I think that's goes back a little bit to the last question. I don't know that they're running sets to get a lot of that stuff, but there's reads to be made off of the plays that are there that are leaving guys open and kind of go back to that and just beat it into the ground. Like there, there aren't a ton of possessions where they really get into something and run it. I think toward the game late last night, there were uh, some struggles just I think with legs and really not getting into anything until too late in 
the shot clock. But in general, when they go and run stuff, they're getting reasonably good shots that you would be happy with in general out of the offense. It's it's not a ton of late shot clock. Somebody's got to come and try to bail them out trying to do something. So um, I, I do think it helps. It puts pressure on the defense. And I think having somebody who's really willing to turn the corner coming off of those ball screens becomes really important. And Armand is a guy who's more likely to do that than Rob is right now, uh, or at least seems more comfortable doing that in in my estimation. So uh, I think you have to do that to put pressure on the defense. Otherwise, you're just dribbling side to side and not really not really doing anything. And I watched a middle school game last night where there was a lot of side to side dribbling and it was not great. There are times where I'm sitting there going, come on, guys, we got to do something, do something. They still make, made something out of it in that high ball screen. And I thought it got a little sta- – obviously a lot stagnant late. Um Coach, let's talk about shooting. Uh, how do what would we do? You and I suggest the shooting because um, these guys have shown times where they're capable of hitting shots, and and then you have a guy. You know, we we joke about Banker's life and Armand, but then Armand has an air ball um, and plays a really good game. Uh, other than than his shots, is it mental or physical? In your opinion, the shooting of the Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, my gut says it's mental. Um, you know, you have to think that um, obviously confidence is shot right now. It's it's something in, in your head when every time you, you're going up for that shot, you know, you're, you're thinking about how you're 25% or something. Um, to me, you know, you'd have to think that it's mental. Uh, a lot of, you know, it. a lot of these guys are, are high-level basketball players, um, and some of them were good shooters in high school. Um, now, granted, uh, you know, they're not playing Division One high-caliber guys every night in high school, but at the end of the day, shooting the ball is shooting the ball. Um, confidence is huge. I mean, it, it's it's the name of the game in basketball, and, and um, it can make or break you as a team. And um, from a shooting standpoint, it, it, it's been broken for quite some time for IU, but uh, – it's yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's, it's tough to say. Like, there's there's nobody that just shoots a ball and I'm like, yikes, those mechanics are bad. Outside of, I, I don't think Galloway's are great, but um, you know, mechanically, I don't see anything that's just like, man, that there's no way that's going in. The next question for 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 all of us is, sometimes it's a good thing. You get what you emphasize as a coach, uh, and I, and I tell a lot of young coaches, make sure you know what you believe in emphasize what you believe in and you're going to get it. I mean, emphasize it in every drill and every practice. Do both of you think um, that sometimes though, that that can have a negative aspect too. Like if you're em- emphasizing touches for the post, if you're em- emphasizing, you know, a shot selection at times that leads to that mental hesitation. Like I'm open for three, but you know, we just got told we need to get the ball to, you know, Trace hasn't had a touch for two or three minutes. And that slight second, I mean, I believe when you cross that black line, you got to be cocky and not listen to coaches. I mean, you listen to them in a the timeout. But once you go back on that court, you don't listen to coaches. You just go out and play. And then you come in and take the yelling later. And I don't see – I see this team as having extreme buy-in and trying to do what is emphasized. And at some points, it's it's really helped this team. But – I. I might. I think it might hurt the shooting because they're just a little hesitant to say, "Am I sure that I want to? Is this the shot we want, or am I? Is it supposed to go inside?" Andy, we'll start with you, and then Coach, please follow up. Yeah, I think it's a really tough question to answer. I think you can certainly draw that conclusion by listening to what the coach is saying and watching what you see on the floor and watching the results. And I think the other thing that's interesting is you you. You listen to Trace's comments about that you brought up about like, you know, we're not the IU team of the last 10 years. So I think it's it it's mental not only in the sense of, you know, the individual guys and their 
personal track record with things. But I think at a certain point, the weight of Archie Miller teams haven't shot the ball well at IU. You're, you're probably kidding yourself if you think that these kids are also aren't thinking about that to a, to a certain extent. So uh, I think you're you're right about what what coaches emphasize. But I also don't know, especially with the I'm going to say lack of depth uh, to a certain extent. I don't think guys are playing, looking over their shoulders saying, Hey, if I take the shot, I'm going to get yanked. Cause they're, you turn around, there's not a whole hell of a lot of guys that you're going to go put in for somebody right. uh, in a lot of these cases. So I think that part helps, but I, I, I do see what you're, what you're saying. It, it's not a, what, it's not a buzzer. You're out. If you take a shot pressure, yeah. it is, you know, coaches sold us on this idea that trace in, in the inside game. Uh, and so we're going to make sure we do it. And then by the time you decide to take a shot, your, your mechanics, maybe uh, coach, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the proof's in the pudding, obviously, at this point. You know, it's, it's been long enough for, um, you know, us to see that that obviously that plays a factor. I mean, you look at IU this season in terms of three-point attempts to field goal attempts. I mean, it, almost 300s in the nation. Um, so it, it not only do they not shoot it well, they don't shoot it often. Um, so uh, obviously it's it's part of the scheme and the game plan. But I, I do think there's some, some validity to what you're saying in terms of um, – you know, kind of second guessing every time that you're shooting, not because you think that you're going out or, or, um, you know, coach is going to rip into you, but just, you know, should I be taking this shot? Is this the best shot I can, I can take for the team type deal? Uh, every time you're firing that thing up. I've had guys, I said this on the show before I had to run and practice for not shooting. Yep. You are a best shooter. You need to shoot. And sometimes you just got to fight those personalities. And again, uh, always your greatest strength is your greatest weak weakness. The greatest strength of this team might be togetherness and, and, and buy-in, but at sometimes you need to be selfish. Like you dude, I need to hit a three. I'm just going to jack this and I'm going to hit it. And <laughs> that's kind of why I like Lander. I think Lander's Lander's not scared. You know, no. Lander has to get fundamentally and better and stronger, but he's not scared. Um, no, I think within five seconds of his IU career, he fired up a shot. Yeah, and oh. you got to have some of those guys. Some of the best guys I've coached really didn't listen to me. Um, yep. and that's okay. You know, you got to build trust in different ways and, and maybe, maybe that's, uh, you know, again, a positive that they're trying to do the right things, but man, that, that, that shooting is, uh, it needs to get better. We have some more questions coming up here, uh, in our third segment. Um, we have a, a football question. We'll either answer that on the show or in, in between segments. We got a lot more to talk about here on the assembly call. How much do we miss Joey Brunk? Uh, stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. 
I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and the other coach, Tody Andrania. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send it out every uh, week uh, with an IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's uh, continuing now with our mailbag. Uh, all of these questions were submitted by our listeners via the private IU basketball discussion community, assemblycall.com uh, backslash community. Also a few on on um, – Twitter. Richie, we, we kind of talked about at the rim scoring. We can address that a little bit uh, later. But the, the first question that we're going to talk about comes from Tim. I've been a voc- uh, been vocal lately that the Hoosiers need Joey Brunk. Uh, they need his maturity, leadership, and ability to guard true centers and not allow pedestrian seven-footers to look like All-Americans. Uh, our two losses, Texas and FSU, are similar in that they have large-body, mature men playing, and sometimes it feels like we're playing men against boys. While there's no denying Trace had 17 rebounds, it sure didn't feel like that many. Um, Andy, Joey Brunk, uh, what contributions would he make? Uh, I know that there's some questions about uh, how healthy he is, so I don't know that there's any imminent return. But what do we miss uh, without having uh, Joey Brunk available? Yeah, I do think there's an element of toughness that that he brings there. And so I think being able to have another guy like that that you give a few minutes to, especially against a team that's so deep, uh, we talked about this a little bit between one of the breaks in, in terms of Jerome Hunter, where you know he's really your backup big, but in a game like Florida State where they've got so many, uh, so many big guys up front, that's not the best matchup for for him on the defensive end. So I think he can help you there. The challenge becomes some of the spacing and things like that that we've talked about in the offensive part of the show uh, kind of get thrown out the window uh, it, when when you've got him. So it, it's a it's a bit of give and take, but I do think there is. You know, having some having some of that toughness and not letting yourself get bullied around a little bit um, is helpful. But I think the minutes that he can really give you become limited because of what that does on the other end. But never hurts having another big body, that's for sure. Coach, your thoughts on uh, what Joey Brunk would would provide? Yeah, first of all, Joey's my guy. Uh, coached him at Southport, so I love Joey. So, um, but yeah, he's Andy said it. He's uh, you know he, he's a big body that that obviously brings a lot of things, especially from a leadership standpoint. Um, you know, guy that's, that's seen it all. He, he's now in his fourth or fifth year of college. Um, but in terms of basketball, on the offensive end, he does present a lot of challenges for IU because you know, he's another guy that has to play in the paint. Um, very akin to Trace and Race as well. So uh, it, there's some challenges there. There's obviously some positives. I think he's a guy that really could come in with a second unit. You don't see a lot of drop-off, um, which I, is huge. I mean, the depth that you can get with – with a guy like that, um, especially as you grind through a Big Ten season, uh, is vital. So, obviously, him being healthy helps the Hoosiers. Um, you know, I don't think he's a 30, 35-minute point per game guy or anything like that, um, or even as much as he saw last season. But I certainly think that a healthy Joey Bronk uh, is a good thing for IU. You know, I, I think he hurts uh, not having him offensively from the second unit. You know, having Trace, we love Trace playing 40 minutes, but we, but maybe he's more efficient even at 32 and can go full out. And, and you have that, you know, against length. What I like about Joey, he's got that old man game, that up and under, that that swivel, that get under the arms uh, action to to score. Uh, and I think he could get you six to ten points just from a backup uh, because he's so efficient and he knows the moves and he knows how to get angles um, that 
that makes our second unit even better. And so I, I know that the spacing is true, but you could give TJD a rest and still play Hunter as a four or, or race at the four and have the same spacing issues uh, with TJD. And, and you have some offensive ability there um, w- with Joey. So that, that, that's my thought. Here's uh, uh, Tom says, why is Leo not seeing the floor and Lander very little? Leo is supposed to be the best three-point shooter in the state. Lander is supposed to be the fastest player going defense to offense. We need a change to inject some more offense into this team or in the middle of the pack. Um, Coach, your, your thought on freshmen in college basketball, you've coached uh, at the high school level, and you know what a transition that is. Uh, talk about these are obviously talented kids, and they've played some time, uh, but the development and then maybe specifically Leo and Lander um, in your thoughts. I mean, I think one thing we got to remember is that, you know, we should, we're really operating around like what a normal – uh, system or a normal team would see like early November, um, mid-November in terms of um, of where they're at in terms of their college season. We got to also remember Lander is a guy that graduated as a junior in high school. Um, it, it's early. Uh, guys need to uh, um, certainly have some patience with with guys like Lander and Leal uh, in terms of getting them up to speed. Um I think by the time March rolls around, we're probably seeing a completely different rotation in minutes distributed. Um, but but Archie's certainly bringing these guys around uh, slowly, patiently, and, and quite honestly, um, college basketball is a lot different. Uh, you know, it's it's just a much more physical game, and, and it's more physical. And also, you're not playing these cupcakes right off the bat like you would in normal years, where you know you're you're going right into the grind, and, and sometimes you got to rely on your experience there. Yeah, sorry. I think my audio uh, cut out for for a little bit there. Andy, your thoughts on um, Leo um, and Lander uh, getting minutes, and even maybe throw Geronimo in um, as freshman. Yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I think I think the Leo and Lander are pretty pretty different scenarios in my view. You know, Leo, while known as a shooter, seemed pretty reticent to to shoot in the uh, in some of the Maui games where he did see action and played a little bit. And I think you take what you see defenses trying or offense is trying to do to Trey Galloway on the defensive end. And you magnify that pretty, pretty big against Leo where they're just going to go at him on the dribble. And, and with Lander, I, I do think they want to try to get him more minutes. I'm just not sure that last night was the, was the time for it given the personnel. Um, but I think his minutes are going to continue to grow. And, and I think that's one, where you're going to see his role really expand. I, I don't know that you will with Leo other than some spot minutes here and there. Yeah, I, I think the key to uh, this season to reach the ceiling is getting Lander up to speed as fast as he can. I totally understand bringing him along slowly, especially you know on, on the defensive end, which I do agree with Coach that he's getting better. Um, but when he, he at his potential, Indiana's a lot better. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Sunday after IU North Alabama. Thanks to Coach Adrania for joining Take it from me, Nick's eyes loft. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And as always, go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right, that is a wrap.
Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I don't know about Wi-Fi all the time and everything. I think Amy, Amy put something in the microwave because when I, I froze, I heard the microwave going upstairs. That might have just thrown some waves out of <laughs> out of whack down here in the man cave. Uh, you're good. Hey, Coach, no very good job on the show tonight. We appreciate you uh, bringing uh, your thoughts and expertise to the show. Um, I think we Absolutely. answered I enjoyed it. every question. There's one from Matt. If you're uh, listening, how much pressure does the success of the IU football program, along with the media love for Coach Allen, add to Coach Miller this season? Um, to me, from a coaching perspective, uh, it probably shouldn't add pressure. You, you coach in your program, and and you got your own things to worry about. And, and I think they get along very well. Uh, if it's truly 24 sports, uh, you know, one team, then there's not going to be a comparison. Uh, from a fan and, and media standpoint, though, everything's LEO and six and one, and everyone's calling it a football school. Uh, there might be some. Uh, you might sit back uh, in some down times in your basketball office and go, "Damn, man, this has got out mm-hmm. of control fast." Um, but I don't. I don't know. There's enough pressure on um, college basketball to recruit and do things that if you're good at your job, you you, you don't um, you don't let that come in, or you let it come in and you flush it real quick. Any thoughts, guys? I I just think they're such different. Um, the the two programs are such different animals that I don't know how comparable it is. I think there's a lot of pressure on Archie regardless. And I don't know that um, I think heading into the season with expectations and, and kind of what the track record has been to, to this point, I'm not sure that anything really makes that any worse. I think uh, in some ways you might be able to make the argument that it helps because it's something else people are getting excited about and giving attention to uh, as opposed to the other way around. So I, I, I don't know that, I don't know that it matters a, a great deal because um, there'd be a ton of pressure on him, even if the football program was one and six, as opposed to six and one, I, I, there might be even more scrutiny because everybody's like, all right, well now it's basketball season. What are you doing? What are you doing about it? So I, I don't know that there's too much of that interesting question though. And whoever would have thought that it would get to that point where someone would be asking whether the success <laughs> of IU football is somehow, uh, somehow an issue for the basketball. Team. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, I had written down for that question too, was, um, it, it's so different. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, is there pressure on uh, the Pacers because the Colts are good um, type of scenario to me? I mean, obviously on a, a smaller scale than that, but they're just it's it's completely different. Yes, they're under the same athletic umbrella, but outside of that, there, there's so much pressure to win at IU that um, I don't think there's too many outside factors that really add to that. Coach, while we have you here, we have some people stay on for uh, after dark. Would you you like to just share your your background, where you've coached, maybe a, a favorite story of of yours uh, uh, coaching, and and how you came to like uh, Indiana basketball so much? You uh, watch film and and cut film uh, all the time for for Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my background is is I played basketball at Southport High School here in in Indianapolis um, for uh, my sophomore through junior year. And, or sophomore through senior year, I, I played on, on the varsity team um, at some level uh, my sophomore year, I guess. But anyway, um, I, I played basketball. I knew I wanted to stay around basketball, so I went to IU. Um, and, and at IU, uh, went into sports broadcasting and, and was around the program a lot. Um, and then as soon as I graduated uh, – college I, I called up uh, the head coach at Southport at the time was Kyle Simpson who's back down at Bloomington South now as an assistant um, and just said Ed you need any help around the program 
uh, he hired me at the middle school at the seventh grade job. And then I just kind of kept moving my way up uh, through the middle school ranks and I was the freshman coach. And then uh, by the time I, I ended my career, or I guess my career is I ended as a coach, but it's on hold right now. Um, I was a varsity assistant at Southport. Um, but then this, this last year, uh, my wife got pregnant with our first kid. Uh, my job kind of, kind of got more time consuming cause I'm not a teacher. Uh, so I, I took a step back from coaching uh, as of last season, uh, which kind of looks like a blessing in disguise right now with, with where the world's at. Um, but in terms of IU, I've, I've grew up an IU fan, you know, uh, an hour North up in, in Indianapolis uh, of the Hoosiers and then went to IU. But like I said, my background was, was in um, sports communication. I love IU and uh, I love coaching. So the IU film room just kind of became a natural fit. Um, you know, it was a way to continue producing content um, that super enjoyable for me. So yeah, that's kind of my background, kind of my, my story and how IU film room came to be. Um, it was just kind of a, a natural thing that, that yeah, grew to what it is now. Excellent. And, and for, again, check out his work. It's iufilmroom.com, correct? Is, is yes. That, that's yep. correct. Um, yep. And, and, and it's good stuff. Uh, you always can pick up some stuff, like like he said, after after watching film and uh, doing anything. Andy, how are things your way? Any update for the chat mob? Uh, no, the uh, fourth grade basketball team's coming coming together. <laughs> Very we're good. getting there. We got we got uniforms now, so we're we're official at least. But now we don't have any games till uh, till January. So we've just been doing two nights of practice and one night of skills and drills a week. So it's been fun to get fun to get back out there and it's kind of funny the skills and drills we do it's like the third and the fourth grader combined so um it's kind of funny to watch some of the third graders now and think that most of the girls that i have this year were that and just kind of look at them side by side to them and see how how much they've improved on on different things so it's been uh it's been it's been fun i get uh, some bad habits out of a couple of them who got uh our coach got scared out of shooting um, so to kind of go back to the, what you emphasize and different things like that, I got this one girl, like last night at practice, she like had got the ball, like on the post and turned it like dribble the other way. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to get mad if you take that shot. I go, but if you dribble the other way, I was like, that's not, you know, it's not what we need. Like all, everything we're doing is trying to get the ball right where you just got the ball. So, uh, take your shot. I go, you can miss every shot you take on there. I don't care if you shoot it over the backboard. I said, but do not turn away from the shot that you just had. So. It's uh, kind of working through that with some of them. And then, you know, other, others are, are uh, definitely have a, a quicker trigger uh, from, from shooting that we need to rein in the other direction. But, um, but it's, been, it's been fun to get out there a few hours a week. and Good deal. I, uh, I had the opportunity to coach against my son. Um, he's uh, yeah, I tw- saw that. 22 years old and, and got the uh, JV job at Rossville High School, and they played Western. So uh, I was on the bench uh, trying to watch him, and uh, this is this is a what classy guy my my head coach um, is. Uh, he he was my assistant. Now I'm his assistant. He told me he goes, your job during this JV game is to watch your son coach. And I thought that was a pretty classy move. Uh, that was his first game ever, uh, his debut, and gosh darn it, he won his Rossville JV beat our Western JV, and and then in the varsity game there was a breakaway, and one of his kids fouled our kids hard and. I kind of yelled down at him that that was his little coaching, you know, scream and yell. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's how you get guys hurt. And I don't, I don't think he heard me. There was enough people in the stands uh, that he didn't hear me, but we made eye contact a couple times. Uh, and it was, it was not family love. It was, we wanted to beat each other bad. And then we hugged afterwards. So it was a very, very, um, 
Very, very cool moment. Uh, very, very proud. Uh, and uh, he's off to a good start. He's 3-1 and one as a JV coach and learning on the way. And it, it's nice uh, to see you young guys like Coach Adranya and, and, and my son Brent uh, get in the profession. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just awesome to try to share those things. Yeah, I saw yeah, Amy posted about incredible. that that it went about as well as it could for for uh, yeah. for her really that you both came home. Yeah, the varsity uh, won in overtime. Rel- yeah, yeah, you both came home relatively happy when it was all said and done. So, so we both got a win, and then we could eat enjoy the pizza on the, in the dining room <laughs> afterwards. You know, <laughs> yeah, he he was going to get kicked out for a night, rent or no rent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tony, keep up the good work, and and um, I'm sure Jared will be in touch. Uh, you know, again, we're always looking for contributors and stuff, and um, I'm gonna get in contact with you too. I, I like some of the stuff. I, I I need to get the the ability to draw on on my videos in the in the community, the, yeah, the edi- editing that I do. But um, be interesting to see how you put some of that together. But keep doing that. Um, thanks for all the questions, everyone. Uh, have a very very safe uh, weekend, and as we head into the holidays. Um, be safe. It, it, this community means a lot to a lot of people in a time where we're isolated and maybe can't see family. We can get together on this Zoom call and, and, and YouTube and, and uh, try to get us through this, uh, this crazy time. And uh, I appreciate every single person who, um, who listens to this old codger uh, talk nonsense. Uh, it, it, it means the world. It's something I look forward to. And um, let's just keep being there for each other um, and we'll get through it. Andy, yep, take absolutely. care. Say Jen and the girls uh, say hello. Yeah, we'll do. You uh, say the same to to Amy and uh, Tony. Thanks a lot for coming on. Enjoy. Yeah. This is the first first Christmas for you guys with your little guy, right? It is. Yeah, awesome. super excited. Awesome, awesome. I'm awesome. sure he's not going to be spoiled at all. So I uh, <laughs> by <laughs> you, your your family, <laughs> anybody else. So we'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming so on. Much, really guys. enjoy your work. All yeah, right, absolutely. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Take right, care. Thanks, everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.